Welcome to Thrive Beyond Pornography, the podcast where real couples like us candidly navigate the journey to a healthier, more connected life. Join us as we share personal experiences, expert insights, and practical tips to help you thrive in your relationships and break free. Together, let's repair and build a rock-solid connection, becoming a couple that can overcome any challenge. I'm Zach. And I'm Darcy. Did you know that pornography doesn't have to destroy you or your marriage? We're the parents of eight active members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and we love to help people just like you. We're here to share hope and healing as we take you through our journey and the journeys of our amazing clients to greater joy and love. Come grow with us to a happier, more meaningful life. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Self Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another beautiful Mastery Monday here on the Self Mastery Podcast. I literally just recorded this podcast, and then I realized that I didn't press the record button. <laughs> so uh, I'm recording it for the second time. I hope it's as magical the second time as it was the first time. Uh, this week, I was talking to a client, and he said something that really struck me. He said that the longer that we, uh, he said that the work that we had been doing made him think that he was less depressed, more hopeful, and no longer part of the addict class. And, and that got me thinking. When I was attending 12-step meetings and saying, hi, my name is Zach, and I'm an, a porn addict, right? The message of being an addict was clear. Once a porn addict, always a porn addict. Like, you're never going to be able to get away from this. You're going to, right? There's a lot going on there. And I don't know why this ide ideology exists within the 12-step system, and it doesn't really matter why it's there. Uh, but being a forever addict seems to be the way that we are encouraged to think about our struggles when, when it comes to pornography within that system. And I think even, you know, uh, in, in other systems, but it kind of baffles me a little because it would be, it would seem to be contrary to everything that the 12 step program would be working toward, right? Like it seems contradictory, uh, in terms of, of the messaging, right? Because, uh, how can you recover if you're always a forever addict, right? Being a forever addict is while simultaneously participating in a group that has as its core mission, eliminating an addictive behavior from your life is, you know, I believe one of the reasons that 12 step groups fail to succeed. And most people fail to actually eliminate their problems within those groups. You know, Dr. Lance Dotis, uh, the author of the sober truth details, the evidence in his book, but you know, about 5% of people who participate in 12 step groups are successful. That, by the way, is the same percentage that occurs when you just work on your own to, you know, and decide to quit. So people who do it without any program succeed about 5% of the time, and people who do it with the 12 steps succeed about 5% of the time. So in terms of evidence-based analysis of successful systems of intervention, 12-step programs are about as likely to help you overcome pornography uh, for good as if you went to you know, no one and did, did it on your own. By contrast, you know, you can look at the acceptance and commitment coaching and the acceptance and commitment therapy process, and it has a 95% success rate at 30 days and an 80% success rate at, at, eight, at six months. But, you know, just going back to the idea that once a porn addict, always a porn addict, that has always been something that I bristled at, right? Even when I was deep in the 12-step ethos. And here's why. I think there are three really important reasons why being a forever addict is not only a bad idea, but it's actually holding you back and keeping you from succeeding at overcoming pornography. Number one, being an addict reduces your responsibility over your actions. When we use addiction language, we're often putting off responsibility for our actions to something outside of us. So for instance, the phrase, I slipped, 
this week and I looked at porn, right? Which is a phrase that I've said and you know heard countless times. It sets the locus of control uh, for our actions outside of us. You know, it's it, it's even I think a little bit self contradictory. The first part, I slipped, conjures up a sense that some unforeseen force like gravity pulled me in a direction that I didn't choose. The same uh, as when I say, you know, I slipped down on some ice or I slipped down a mountain. Gravity, regardless of your choices, is taking you in a direction that you're not choosing to go. But then we say, I looked at porn, which is an action we are taking. So, you know, I slipped and I looked. Those two things don't seem to go together. And I often ask people, when you view pornography, how does it happen? And they tell me things like how they go on their computer or on their phone and then they start with some website or another. And after a few minutes, they are engaged in viewing pornography. And I have never once, not ever, had anyone tell me that someone like shows up at their house and said, okay, I'm going to chain you to a chair, like I'm forcing you into a chair and I'm going to make you watch pornography. We talk, when we use addiction language, when we talk like this and we say, I'm, I'm always an addict, uh, we talk like we're out of control. But the reality is that we're making the choices even though we might regret them later. Now, that isn't to say that there isn't a little bit of compulsion or urging in that direction, because for most people there is, but the compulsion isn't the same as being out of control and unable to choose. It is, however, that there are real strong and compelling reasons to view pornography or overeat or whatever you do to avoid your feelings. That's what compulsion is. But the idea that I'm totally out of control means that you couldn't choose. I slipped means I can't choose, right? If you, you know, if you've ever walked down a sidewalk and slipped on the ice, you know that in that moment, gravity's in control and like, you know, it's taken away your ability to stay upright. It seems like, you know, a relief to believe this about pornography. It seems like if I, you know, if I'm not in charge of this, um, then that's, that's a relief. And it, it seems like a valuable way to couch the issue because in some sense it alleviates your culpability. And it distances you from the actions that you take, which is, I think, a normal human behavior. Uh, it's not a good one. It's not, you know, it's not who you're being when you're fully in, in integrity with yourself. But when it comes to pornography, the idea of addiction and placing the control for what's going on outside of ourselves, placing it with something that's not us, that's a pretty losing strategy. And here's the reason why it's a losing strategy. Because unless we can assert our preference around this behavior, unless we can make choices that we own, we are not ever going to overcome pornography. We're going to remain incapable. Addiction language, I think, is similar to the language of victimhood. Being a victim when it comes to our own behavior is a really rough place to be. If you have ever tried to potty train a toddler, you might have seen this, you know, as they start to get good at going potty on the toilet, their confidence rises and, you know, they become a really new person. But if they poop themselves or they pee themselves, sometimes they look to blame it on others or forces outside themselves. And there's no real teaching them at that point. When it's not their fault, then guess what? It becomes impossible to help them solve for how to go to the bathroom on the toilet because they don't believe they control what's happening. They can't see how to take responsibility for their actions. That's pretty miserable to be around and it's miserable to try and get them to fix it. I think a lot of spouses and support people feel like this because when it isn't someone's responsibility, they are in essence a victim. It's really hard to try and help them because they can't be introspective enough to see what's actually going on. Teens are a lot like this. <laughs> 
<laughs> we have a lot of teens. They often blame the consequences of their choices on others, right? When we, you know, we have a son and thankfully he's mostly grown out of, this is our third son. He's a great kid. He really is an awesome kid. Mostly he's grown out of this, but you know, we would say to him, you aren't allowed to go hang out this weekend because you haven't done your chores or your schoolwork. And he would argue, no, you're just not letting me go. You know, so you're the reason I can't go, you know, and this, this was his way of operating, right? He was really keen to make it our fault that he wasn't allowed to go. That's the same way we act and believe when we talk about pornography as being an addict, I can't stop looking at porn because I'm an addict. You know, this is the same basic phrasing as I can't go because you won't let me. The underlying lack of responsibility really impacts our capacity to deal with the issues in a direct fashion. As a result, we don't make any progress and we stagnate into a pool of misery. All right, so speaking of misery, the next thing that being a forever addict means is that we have to have this never-ending capacity for vigilance. Being a forever addict means that you can't ever stop working on this, that it's never going to go away. Most people don't have the attention span for constant vigilance. You know, I suspect that those who succeed with the 12-step programs and those who do it on their own are people who are capable of constant vigilance or maybe the ability to you know, fight their own brains. But I, on the other hand, I am not the kind of person who has a constant vigilance type of personality. I'm distractible and I'm curious about new things and I, you know, I'm interested in change and I can't stay the same and I suspect neither can you. That need for constant vigilance I think is pretty demoralizing. I've seen speakers talk about how they still go to meetings 15 years later and that is what is keeping them sober. I went to meetings for years without improvement and to think that I would need to dedicate an hour of my life each week for the rest of my life going to a meeting, which really means that I would need to you know, dedicate like two hours because of travel time and then maybe like two and a half hours if you, know, you include the chatting and the mingling afterward. Man, that's too much for me. I can't even play 18 holes of golf without thinking, are we still doing this? Being constantly vigilant is a willpower-based solution. You know, think about if you were a soldier on the wall of life and you had to constantly look out for danger in an active and consistent way, you'd probably get pretty tired pretty quick. Then when the problem comes back, because it will come back if that's the way that you're addressing it, what we end up doing is we beat ourselves up and we say, I should have X, right? I should have paid more attention. I should have worked harder. I should have stuck to my routine and on and on and on punching ourselves in the face because we weren't strong enough to do it forever. And that's like, just like the most miserable message I could possibly imagine. And number three, thinking you're a forever addict negates the personal capacity for growth and change. The idea that if we are a pornography addict, we will always be a pornography addict, I think runs counter to my personal belief and I think really the theology of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Repentance and the atonement are a package system that has as its foundational and underlying premise the idea that we can change. It means that growth is possible and I think even essential to our eternal progression. You know, I've spoken at length about the atonement. In fact, uh, last Easter's podcast, episode number 82, which I, I'll link to in the show notes, covers this really quite nicely. But what I would like to highlight about the atonement is that it provides a path and a platform 
through repentance to allow us the freedom to look forward without making our past our constant and oppressive present. Imagine if you were the same person that you were 10 years ago. What if every aspect of your reality looked the same as it did then? All the things that you've learned, all the growth that you've experienced, all the wisdom that you've gained, you know, they're in your head, but you have to be the same as you were back then. That is what it is like without the atonement. That is what it is like without repentance. That is what it means in my mind to be a foretic for in my mind to be a forever addict. You aren't allowed to be different. That is not my idea of a good way to overcome pornography or any other unwanted or unwelcome personal behavior. You know, I used to pray to God that he would take this from me, that he would resolve this so I could be different and not have it as, you know, this massive stumbling block in my life. And when I believed that that was the way to get what I wanted for, you know, you know, the way to get pornography out of my life was to have God take it, I was really unable to grow. When I stopped asking God to take this problem away and I started to seek his help in learning from it, understanding why I was choosing it and letting myself believe that it was my responsibility to resolve this issue and that he would atone for the mistakes because I was going to make them on this journey, then I was able to become successful. Only then could I overcome pornography? Only then could I put pornography behind me. The idea that we are pornography addicts is pervasive within our culture as Latter-day Saints, as Christians, as Americans, but I think it's pretty, pretty misplaced, misguided, and it's a proposition that keeps us from recognizing the truth of who we are and how much capacity we have. And I think we need to put these ideas behind us and that's going to open us up to a world of possibility. In fact, it's going to open us up to a capacity that we never knew was possible. All right, you guys. I love you guys. I'll talk to you next week. Hey, by the way, we have a free call on April 20th available to anybody who wants to sign up. It's at zackspafford.com slash free call. Go ahead and set up some time right now and do that. And set some time aside. 7.30 Mountain Time on Wednesday, April 20th. We'll talk to you then. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Self Mastery Podcast. Every day, Darcy and I work with amazing men and women to remove pornography from their lives and relationships. If you're ready to take the next step in your journey, let us help you. Sign up for a consult at zackspafford.com slash work with me, and you can set up some time for you or your spouse to meet with me or with Darcy, and we can help you get started on your self mastery journey. Thanks for listening to Thrive Beyond Pornography. If you're seeking guidance and support to overcome pornography for good and begin creating a thriving life beyond it, check out my free webinar, How to Overcome Pornography with Skills That Actually Work. You'll learn practical, proven skills guided by an expert coach who has personally overcome pornography. Whether you're getting started for just yourself or along with your spouse, Darcy and I can teach you the tools that will help you put your life on the right path for you. Be sure to check out the show notes for a direct link and... If you could take a moment to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, it would mean the world to us. Your reviews play a significant role in helping others discover the show so they can join us on this transformative journey. Thank you for being part of the Thrive Beyond Pornography community. Until our next episode, stay strong, stay focused, and keep thriving.